Well, we're, we're talking about the authority of the believer. We've talked about how that God's purpose for mankind when he created him was that man would have dominion. And here God created a perfect environment for man to flourish even while Satan was here, but then at the end of it, see, Satan was never to be an issue with us. God gave man dominion over the earth and told him to have dominion and to subdue the earth, to protect it. But then man chose to go his own way, violated the word of God, violated the law of God, and sinned and died spiritually. And then they, man transferred all of that authority, the delegated authority that God had given man, transferred it over to Satan. So Satan became, as the New Testament says, the God, small g, of this world system. He's not the God of the earth. He doesn't own the earth. Now you might think he does, but he does not. But everything he does, remember when Jesus talked about that the shepherd will come in through the gate into the sheepfold, but a thief will come in another way. He is talking about Satan. Satan came in another way. He operates as an outlaw. And God has his desire and his purpose for man was that man would have dominion and keep him at bay. Give him no place. Now we've seen to do that, you have to, re, you have to submit yourself to the Lord, James 4, 7. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But now we see Jesus, here he is, the creator of all things. He is God. He lays down his godly attributes. And the Bible says he took upon himself flesh. And he was born in a manger in Bethlehem. And he lived as a man on this earth. Now he was one of a kind, all God and all man. But he came into the earth realm legally. Took upon himself a flesh and then here we go we see that jesus because he came legally because of who he was he had authority over satan even though satan was the god of this world system he authorized 12 of his disciples to go out gave them delegated authority in his name to heal the sick to cast out devils then he sent out 70 he sent them out to heal the sick, they found out that they could use the name of Jesus, that the demons would be subject to them. And they had great joy with all of that. They had authority over Satan as men who were not even born again. But then, as we fast forward to Matthew 28, now we see Jesus coming out of the grave. He's risen, and now before he goes into heaven... He says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I now have the keys of death and hell. And then he commissioned man. In other words, we as his kids have been given authority. But as we've seen over the weeks, there's, there's a couple things you have to know to walk in your authority. See, you're human, right? But you're not only human. You are a spirit that possesses a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. First Thessalonians lays that out. And you live in a physical body. You're not a body, but that's your earth suit. It's how you operate. And so now, what we have to find out as we dive into the word of God is we have to know who we are. Our identity is very, very important. As we're learning on Wednesday nights, our identity is to come only from Christ. We've made this statement, as we see who he is, we discover who we are. And a big reason why Christians are not walking in the authority that they've been given is because they don't know who they are. You know, Wednesday night, I would encourage you to get the CD from last Wednesday. Because so many Christians, the reason why they don't know who they are is they are judging their life and who they are by their behavior. They're not judging their life by who God made them, by the positional truth that God made them. 
And so what happens is sin. We have these little sin habits and secret sins that, that seems to have so much power, but the word of God exposes it and tells us, wait a minute, no. It's as easy to put off your flesh as it is to take off your shirt. It's as easy to put on who you are in Christ as putting on a shirt. Colossians tells us that. And so it's, it's really something. And then the big lie, we exposed it Wednesday night, how to overcome sin. The Bible says that you have to reckon yourself dead to sin. Reckon. It's a, it's a mathematical, it's an accounting term. In other words, you have to have to know some information in order to reckon yourself dead. But then when you look at Romans chapter 6 and you learn that, man, I was crucified with Christ. Figure that out with your brain. I was born in 1962, but I was crucified with Christ in A.D. 30 or A.D. 32, a long time before I ever hit the earth. See, these spiritual things, there's positional truth that's reality in our lives. So we have to know this. I was crucified with him. When he was on that cross, all of my sin, every part of it, all the spiritual death was condemned in his body 2,000 years ago. Isn't that amazing? I was also buried with him. I got to have, see, I have to have revelation knowledge of this Otherwise, I won't be able to reckon myself dead to sin and I'll play with it and it'll dominate my life when it is not supposed to. I was, the Bible says, I was buried with him. The Bible says, I was identified with his crucifixion. The Bible says, I was raised to newness of life. Newness of life. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus, right? The Bible says if any man be in Christ, and you know if you're in Christ, if you've ever accepted him and his spirit lives on the inside of you, that is the definition of being in Christ. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The, the Greek word literally means an original form. It literally means that you, you are one of a kind. There's never, ever been another one like you, and there never will be another one like you. It's interesting, the Gallup organization, they, they found out, they do this personality test. There's like 38 different personality traits, and you could take this test, and they'll give you like the top eight. But they've determined mathematically for somebody to have all of the same traits, it's, it's in the literally tens or hundreds of billions of people, more people that have ever lived on the earth that could ever live on the earth for a long time. You are one of a kind, proving 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The Bible calls that, that Greek word is a new species, one that never existed before. And the Bible says your spirit man is renewed day by day. So now this is awesome because if you're like me, I accepted Christ when I was four and a half years old. I've made every mistake as a child of God. But now I realize that doesn't matter. All of my sin, past, present, and future, was condemned in the body of Jesus 2,000 years ago. Why did I sin? Romans lays out exactly why. The Bible says things like this that the, the nature that is in my flesh will war against the law of my mind. My flesh nature never fights my spirit, can't. It can't touch my spirit. Satan can't talk to your spirit. He can't touch your spirit. He, he'll throw thoughts in your mind. We're, we know exactly how he works. It's real interesting. The Bible doesn't say a lot about him. It just kind of tells us what he does. It lets us know that he's been completely stripped. It tells us how he's going to come against us, and it tells us exactly how to resist him, and that's it. That's it. Oh, he hates that. 
because he likes to be the center of attention, right? But he, he'll never be. He's defeated. When you talk about authority, you have to know who you are. You have to know that you were identified with his crucifixion. You were identified with his resurrection. So these are some things that you have to know to be able to walk free from sin, to reckon yourself dead to sin. Because do you know as you're sitting here, you are dead to sin? Do you know your spirit can't sin according to the book of Romans? That when you sin, the nature in your flesh connects with your unrenewed mind, and the Bible, Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 7, and, and they, the two of them will take your spirit captive. And that's why for a Christian, there's inner turmoil. When we say things or do things that are not in line with the word of God, it's just, we, we have to do that for a long time to push all that down. But there's inner turmoil there. Whereas in the world, you'll have somebody who doesn't know Christ or who is, I should say this, they do not know Christ because they've made a decision that they want to live for themselves. They don't want to bow to his lordship. And so they're spiritually dead. They won't have that inner turmoil because their spirit has not been born again. See, to be in Christ, as I said, that means the Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit of God could not come and live in a spiritually dead spirit. So that's how come he had to make you new. I love that. Christ redeemed you from the curse of the law. He was made a curse for you and I on the tree when he was crucified. Why did he do that? So that the blessing of Abraham would come upon us as Gentiles and so that we can receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. See, so that we could be saved. God, God did something for us, right? So that he could do something in us and then put something on us. So you have to know who you are. So reckon yourself dead to sin. I was crucified with Christ. I was buried with him in baptism. You have to have revelation knowledge of this. Just knowing this in your mind won't be, won't be enough. Right? Well, even when, when I say those words, it's just, just, it's rocking me on the inside right now. I was buried with him in baptism. And number three, I was raised to newness of life. Number four, I was identified with his crucifixion. That word identification means to treat as the same. When he was crucified, I was crucified. Galatians 2.20, I have been and am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I'm identified, number five, with his resurrection. When he came out of the grave... I came out of the grave. Isn't that amazing? Try to wrap your mind around that one. And maybe you'll see that there's a couple things maybe you don't know. Right? And here's number six. That I've been freed from sin and it will never dominate me again. You gotta know that. So to walk in your authority, you have to know who you are. You know, I'm so thankful Man, in my life, I, I think of how that God never gave up on me. But I think about that now. So now I fast forward. Then God brings this godly woman who's absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. It's amazing how she keeps getting more and more drop-dead gorgeous. And then I have two beautiful children that love God. Two beautiful grandchildren. You know, I think about, I, I think of, and then... Here's a guy who absolutely had no example in the natural of what it is to be a dad. No, no example at all. And yet, even though I had no absolute example on what it was to be an earthly father, I know how to pastor. Because being a pastor is like being a dad. You know? And so it's real amazing. You have to know who you are, but here's the doorway into knowing that. You have to make a decision to completely submit yourself to the will of God. What is the will of God? It's the word of God. 
You have to completely submit yourself to that. That's the doorway where now when you're submitted, being submitted to God is being submitted to his word. You could ask, ask yourself the question and know right now if you're submitted to his word or not. Is it first priority in your life or is it not? Right? Is it the first thing that you're thinking about when you wake up? Is it the last thing that you think about when you go to bed? Does it have first place in your life? If it doesn't, you probably don't know who you are. So, don't beat yourself up for that. Just peer into his word because as you see who he is, you will get to know who you are. And know this, no matter what mistakes you've made, no matter where you are, God's not moved by any of that. He doesn't really, he's not concerned where you've been. He's not concerned what you've done. He's not mad at you. He's not even concerned where you are this morning. But I'm telling you, what he will be doing is prompting you and say, hey, will you go from this point with me? And let's start this process. And it's a process. And I'm telling you, as he, as he, he says, okay, Tony, give me this part of your life. And you're like, man, I really don't want to because I kind of like that. Now, it makes me sad, and, and, and I'm not real happy, but I, I, enjoy, I enjoy this part, but then it makes me sad. But I don't want to give it to you. Kind of a little conflict there. But if you'll give it to him, he'll so graciously take that, and then all of a sudden, over time, you'll be free from that area, completely free. You'll actually look back at that area and go, wow. I used, I, I, I could, I remember doing that, but it's as if it's not even me. And then he'll just go area by area and you'll find out more and more who you are in him and that will enable you to walk in the authority that he's given you. So let's look at Luke chapter 10. Let's just jump off here. Hallelujah. I, I have, gosh, I have all these notes. 16 pages of notes and I just have no desire to look at any of them I say it's just so funny I just think that's hilarious how that so that was probably just for me it's like God's like you know you just need this right but let's just let's just flow with him today Luke chapter 10 so we see the 70 returning with joy you guys doing okay that introduction that, that wasn't planned. <laughs> so, anyway. But it'll help us. It helps us in every way. It says, And the seventy returned again with joy, verse 17, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us, unto us through your name. In other words, there was authority in the name of Jesus. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. In other words, he's talking about when Satan was cast out of heaven before Adam and Eve, before the creation account. So he's looking back in time. And then verse 19 is the key, what I want you to focus on. He said, behold, I give you power. That first word power is the Greek word that means delegated authority. In other words, I've given you delegated authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. To tread. That, that Greek word means to have absolute mastery over serpents and scorpions. That is, a, that, what that's talking about is the satanic hierarchy. Remember in Psalm 23 how he says, I prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Your enemies are present. There, are, there is a spiritual hierarchy, a satanic hierarchy of demons you know, all principalities, powers, all this stuff, some of which are assigned against you, right? They're there, but they have no power. They can't even do anything in your life unless you allow them to. And Satan doesn't want you to know that. He says, I've given you delegated authority to have absolute mastery over all these demonic powers and over all the power, this is a different Greek word, that word power means ability, and all, over all the ability of the enemy, that's talking about Satan. 
In other words, you have authority over all of Satan's ability. That's amazing. Think of what you can do with that in your family, in your career, in your ministry. Think of what that can, what, how, what kind of effect that could have in your finances. What kind of effect that could have in your life. See, you have been given ultimate authority in your life. And that's the main place where you're going to use authority. You have been given authority to completely walk free from your flesh and to keep your flesh under and to know God. To literally get to the point where you are walking like Jesus on the earth. That's what Jesus said. The Bible says, as I am. So are you in this world. The works that I do, greater works shall you do. If you say you're mine, the word of God says, then you should walk like I walked. Isn't that amazing? Well, how would that impact your life? How would that impact your family if you were walking free from sin, free in every way, not, not fear is gone in your life, and you know you have authority. Think of how that would affect your spouse, your children, your family, your church family, this city, right? See, we have to understand this before we can get into how to pray for our nation, how, how, to, how authority and faith work, how authority and prayer work. We have to understand these foundational things because they're just not taught, and yet they're all over the Bible. So let's go. Behold, I give you power over all, over serpents and scorpions, and over all the ability of the enemy. And look at this last one. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's a big one. Nothing shall by, now I'm not a rocket scientist, but that means in my, in my thinking that nothing can hurt me. So is anything trying to hurt you today? It has no power, no power over you to hurt you. So in other words, that's why as a New Testament believer, if sickness attacks my body, listen, Satan's going to come illegally, but I have authority to get him out of my body. If he comes against my family, I have the authority to keep him at bay. Right? He's not going to come kick down my door and come in and mess with my house because I have authority there. Now, he'll try to mess with my kids. I have limited authority, but I can teach them and show them that they have authority and keep him out, right? So this is how this works. So let's, I want you to look at some of these scriptures. Go to Matthew 28. I just want you to see this. Matthew 28, verse 18. We quoted it earlier. Jesus, this is what he said before he went to heaven. Matthew 28, hallelujah. See, we said this, that the exercise of authority is you literally enforcing the victory that Jesus already won for you. That's what you do. You're... Authority, you're not trying to get Satan to let go of something. You're not getting, uh, you're not trying to make Satan to leave per se. You are simply looking at him and going, I know you have been completely stripped. You have no authority in my life. I have been given delegated authority in the name of Jesus over you, over all your power, over all your demonic hierarchy. You know it. I know it, and now I am enforcing my salvation. So get out of my body, let go of my body. Sickness, you can't be here. I'm not, I'm not going to let, remember how I said this? Just because you get in a fight, don't let that make you a fighter. We're not to be the fighter. Jesus already fought it. We are to stand. We stand against the wiles of the devil. Right? Right? That word stand, when you stand against him, 
God will, it, it, that word literally means to survey the battlefield. He'll take you and show you what Satan's doing. Hey, he's going to be coming over here. Here's three scriptures that you have right now. But see, you have to know who you are and you have to submit to the word of God. God has to be first. Why, why do I have to submit, pastor? Come on. Because it's impossible for you to ex, ex, em, use authority. You can't have authority over something that you're yielding to. It's impossible. See, so many people are yielding their authority to people. This is why, if you look at the book of Psalms in Psalm 1-1, it says that in, you should not walk, stand, or sit in certain places. Why? Because if you get around people that are going in a direction that is contrary to the word of God, when you're even around them and in those conversations, what you don't realize is you're giving of your authority. You're literally opening the door for the enemy. This is so, so very important. You are going to look as we go into this, when you study authority, authority has boundaries. So there's boundaries. So how do I know what I can stand in and what I can't? Like you look at Paul. Paul is minding his business, going into a town, he's ministering, and there's this young girl that is following him. The Bible says for many days. She, was, she, was, she operated with familiar spirits. She made her masters a lot of money by fortune-telling and all this stuff, and she would follow Paul around and saying, these are servants of the Most High God. Well, anything the enemy would do would grate on you. And you know, Paul's personality, he just didn't mess with stuff. You know, I had a chemistry teacher at Stephen Decatur High School that I bet looked a lot like Paul. Man, this guy, this guy looked like a little turtle, you know? But he was just kind of, he was a golden gloves boxer. And I remember one time he was talking to me and he was hitting me in the chest. It was bad. We would, when we would take tests, me and a couple guys that I played basketball with, we'd be like, okay, so, you know, what, what we're going to do is, is we're going to orchestrate this thing. We would wait till he would leave. We'd find the test, get the answers. And then, then you know, we would skip a class and have to make up a test in the hallway. He always did this. So it's like, okay, we're going to spread this out. Well, we got caught. And oh my gosh, this, this guy is like, he's hit me in the chest. He's like, listen, little man. And I mean, he's, I'm like a foot taller than him, you know, and I'm freaked out. I'm like, you know, I'm a, I think I was a sophomore in high school or something like that. And uh, I think Paul would be like that. Just a little fiery guy, you know, don't mess with him. He'll, go ninja on you or something, right? But, but yet Paul was, was not doing anything, the Bible says, for many days. Until, until, obviously, the Lord spoke to him and said, deal with this. And then he turned around and dealt with it. Interesting. Why didn't he deal with, with it from day one? Well, who leads you into all the truth of everything? The Holy Spirit. So in order to be led by the Spirit, what do you say? What do you do? Do I have a surgical procedure? Do I take medicine? Do I not? Do I go here? Do I go there? Yes, you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, always. But in order to do that, you have to be sensitive. You can't be in fear. You can't be beating yourself up with shame and guilt and condemnation. God wants you free. Because you're to walk in this earth and dominate the earth. So you're to enforce the victory that Jesus gave you. So Jesus, Matthew 28, 18, look at this. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, that means now he has all, he had delegated authority, but now he has all delegated authority. All of it. So if he had all the delegated authority, is there any delegated authority that he did not have? No. 
And it says here, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Wow, this sounds a lot like the 12 and the 70. But now he's telling every one of the people who are his. He's commissioning us. Go teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. See, this is why we teach this. We gotta obey the word of God. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So now let's look at Mark's account. Mark's account. Let's go to Mark chapter 16. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 16. You should be getting very excited because your future is bright. You didn't mess up your future. You can, you can make decisions today that set you on a whole new course where all of heaven is behind you. Oh, what a great day. Hallelujah. It says here in Mark chapter 16, let's look at this. Verse 15, he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. And these signs, look at this, these signs shall follow them that believe. Now be careful with the punctuation. Because there was no punctuation in the Greek. So you, it could be translated, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. Is that true? Absolutely. You could also read this, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. I think that's probably a little more accurately. If you study the Greek, that's probably the emphasis. Because there's so many people that don't believe in the name. What do you mean? When you use the name of Jesus, it, when, when you speak that out of your mouth, you have to know that you know that you know that the presence and power and provision, the anointing of God, comes right on the scene. He is where his name is. Right? Where two or more are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of them. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Well, pastor, I just don't believe in that tongue stuff. Okay. One of these days, I hope you take the pacifier out of your mouth and, and just get in the word, right? Come on. Well, I just don't believe that. Brother, you don't know enough to even make that statement. Right? Could you imagine? I mean, I could tell that my grandson Micah doesn't believe certain things. You know, my nickname is Marlon. I don't really like that, but I keep him safe. He's going to thank me when he grows up and he doesn't have broken bones, right? But I, I do need to be a little, a little better with that. But, you know, he'll go to a playground and he'll be up climbing head first. He just has, it's like he doesn't believe there's gravity but he's too young, right? That's the way a lot of believers are. Oh, I could just do this and just do this and do my own thing and do my own thing. Listen, Satan's a terrorist. Man, he is messing with you today to take you out 20 years from now. You gotta be careful with that, right? Hallelujah. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. It says here in verse 18, they'll take up serpents, that's a type of the satanic hierarchy. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Why are not more people laying hands on the sick? Because they don't believe in his name. And then here's the cool part. And they went forth and preached everywhere. And I love this. It says here, the Lord working with, in the King James, it says them. Now, in my Bible, it doesn't say it in this, but in, in, the, in the actual Bible, it has them in italics. I'm here to tell you, God does not line up with you. This would read, and the Lord worked with and confirmed. Forget the word them. 
The Lord working with and confirming the word with signs following. He always will confirm the word. Right? He's not always going to confirm you. Right? So, so that's okay. That's all right. In other words, you got to get over yourself. Man, those three anointed words that Jesus spoke to me. I would love to tell you that he only spoke them to me one time. But man, I'll tell you, as soon as I start deciding to go a certain way, I'll start saying a wrong thing. I'll start feeling sorry for myself. I hear these words down in my spirit. Tony, get over yourself. It helps me. So let's run over to Colossians chapter 1. Save me. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 13. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. I want you to see this once again. Look at this. Hallelujah. This, now this is a prayer of supplication. And at the end of this prayer, it talks about something that God has done for you and I. The Bible says, talking about God, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. If you have been delivered from the power of darkness, are you under the power of darkness right now? No. So if the power of darkness is exercising authority over you, realize that is illegal. And now there's probably a reason why he's able to do that because you're doing something or not doing something, but just change that. Because the moment you know who you are, he's done. He has no legal right. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us or transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Man, I'm telling you, all of your sin has been literally, the word condemned in Romans, in Romans 8.3, it's a once and for all judgment. Here's the sad thing about the person who will die outside of Christ and spend eternity in hell. He will spend eternity in hell going to a place. He won't be sent there by God. God doesn't send people to hell. He honors their decision to go there because he gave them a free will. He, God never even made hell for man. But, but what's so bad about that is as he stands before the great white throne judgment, right before he's thrown in the lake of fire because of, you know, he, of his decisions, he will be judged for every sin that he committed on the earth that Jesus already paid for. I think that's probably the worst thing at all, knowing that I'm lost forever and it was all paid for. The worst, what we call the worst of the worst on this planet God's not accounting their sins against them right now. The mass murderer, who doesn't matter, the rapist, all, you, you could go right down the list. God, literally, in the age of grace, is, there's nothing between that man and God except Jesus. It's really amazing. So this is why this is so, so very important. In whom we have redemption through his blood. There's only one way. Jesus didn't say, I am a way. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am life. Right? This is so important. So now let's jump over to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Hallelujah. I just love the word of God. It's just, it's, it's full of life and full of power. Romans chapter 5, verse 17 it says, for if by one man's offense, talking about Adam's offense, death had full and superior dominion because of the one, much more, and, and this is one thing you've got to understand, you have to, to understand authority, you have to understand this phrase, much more, means so much more, it can't even be compared. In other words, 
what Satan did through Adam to mess it all up is not even to be compared to what Jesus did or what God the Father did through Jesus in redemption. Can't be compared. There's no comparison. It says here, much more, they which receive. This, le- this literally means they which take hold of and continue in the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall, not might, if you grab onto these, you shall reign in Zoe life by one Jesus Christ. You have been given the very essence of life that God has. Your spirit is saturated with the life of God. Oh, the thief, the word of God tells us in John 10.10, he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that they might have zoe life and that they might have it more abundantly or that they might have just too much of it. You have too much of it. Too much of it to keep to yourselves. But you got to know that. You got to believe it. And here's the cool thing about believing it's just simply a choice, right? Well, we've been talking about Romans chapter 8. We better run over there. Let's run over there real quick. Romans chapter 8 is the victory, victory chapter. After Paul said all this stuff, look at verse 1. He says, There is therefore now. Now what? Now that Jesus came out of the grave, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Now this is what throws everybody because the King James translators took something that was in verse 4 of every manuscript in the Greek and put it in verse 1 as well as verse 4. But it doesn't fit in verse 1. Because this will give you the feeling that in order for me to be in Christ, that means I have to walk after the Spirit. So that means, oh shoot, if I'm walking after the Spirit, then I'm saved. But oh man, if I ever get in my flesh, then I'm not saved. Well, is that true? No. doesn't fit there. Because... There is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ. In Christ is a positional truth. Who walk, walk is temporal truth. So let's keep going with this. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus hath hath, past tense, made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, I got to say this. If there's anybody watching or if there's anybody here that's saying, oh, time out, how do you know that's not in the end of verse 1? Check that out. It's real easy to do. Just Google Greek manuscripts. Look for the most, the best ones. Maybe ask your pastor or whatever. And you can see it just it's not in all all the leading manuscripts, it's not in verse one. But check that out for yourself. Verse three, look at this. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. What does that mean? The law was weak through the flesh. No flesh could keep the law. We could never keep it. But though the law was weak through the flesh, what the law couldn't do, that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. God the Father condemned sin in the flesh of Jesus on the cross. Isaiah said to look at Jesus, you could not tell that he was human. It says his visage was so marred, the weight and judgment of all uh, the sin nature, all the curse of the law, all sin. Matthew chapter 8 says, on the cross he bore all of your sickness and carried all of your pain. The Bible says 
literally that on the cross he was made poor so that you might be made rich. That word rich means a full and overflowing supply. Redemption took care of everything on the cross. I love that. It says here in verse 4 that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Now here it is. It's in this verse. Who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. This is talking about your behavior. The righteousness of the law. Notice how it says it might be fulfilled in you. See, the choice is yours. Are you going to walk after the flesh or walk after the spirit? Right? Here's the good news. I love the word repent. It means to change your mind, your will, and your purpose. Well, you know, I just repent of my sins every day. No, you don't. No, no, you might get remorseful. But repentance, you'll know if you've repented because you don't ever do it again. Oh, well, you just don't understand, Pastor. It's just so hard. That's not what this says. It sounds like you just need to have some information. That's all you need is information. The Bible says in John 8, 36, whoever the Son hath made free is right now free. Isn't that good news? To be honest with you, isn't that like so good? It's almost too good to be true. You know, actually, it is too good to be true. That's why it's called the gospel. The word gospel in the Greek means something, a message that is too good to be true. See, we make salvation all about us, but it's all about Christ. Don't make your healing all about you. It's all about him. He'll get you through to the other side, right? Well, I think, are we ready now? Can you handle James chapter 4, verse 7? Let's look at this real quick. James chapter 4, verse 7. Hallelujah. So as we've said before, you have to submit to the word of God in in order to operate in authority. It says here, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Wow. So we've looked at some scriptures. See, and remember, we've talked about James 4, 7. We We always quote this like this. Resist the devil and he'll flee. But that's not true. You have to submit yourself to God. Then you resist and then he flees. Boy, if if you could get that. And, And here's the thing. If you're not submitted to God, do you know how quick you can get submitted to God? Wow. You know, I was gonna read this. Pastor Hagen sent this to me. I'll read this. It's something, he sent this to me last night from down at Ramah. He said, happy Father's Day, and he said this about his dad, which would be Kenneth Hagin, the guy who wrote that book that that we're giving. Well, it came from his teaching. My dad left me some things that have shaped my life. He knew the Bible and encouraged me to study the Word. He knew how to have faith in God and taught me how to have faith. He knew the plan of God for his life and encouraged me to seek God's plan for my life. This is a part of the legacy he left me. And I ask you as I ask myself, am I leaving a legacy for my children and grandchildren and others to follow? Notice, it's all passed down. you got to get this. Fathers, you learn how to walk by faith and then encourage your children to do the same. You let them see you in the word of God and living for the word and then encourage them to make that decision for themselves. So we've said a lot about the word of God. Let's go to Psalm 118 real quick. Hallelujah. And when you get to Psalm 118, turn right and go to Psalm 119. And then we're going to look at verse 89. 
you know, I've read some pretty powerful scriptures, but I've got to, as your pastor, read this one. We are talking about the Word of God. What we have quoted here is God's Word. The Bible says it never loses power. It never comes back void. Right? It says right here in verse 89 of Psalm 119, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. In other words, this word settled means is established in heaven and it stands in heaven. How long will it stand? Forever. So the question is, it's not changing. Are you and I going to submit to it? Right? In Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, will change from one condition to another, but my words will never pass away. So now here's another aspect about, just as we're kind of coming down the hill now in this service, another aspect of walking in your authority is you have to make a decision to start the process to where you're going, okay, God, I'm choosing to believe you today. But now, I have to learn how to trust you. And God loves that. He'll help you. He'll teach you through, as you walk out your plan for your, his plan for your life, how to trust him. So turn over to Proverbs chapter 3, because this is a massive scripture that so many believers, so many believers can quote this, but have no light on it at all. But Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says this. It says, trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? All of your heart. So if you're trusting in the Lord with all of your heart, do you have any room to trust anything else? No. This is going to be a process for you to learn how to do this. And the Holy Spirit, see, it, it's just like, I, th I think Pastor Mark said it, you don't have to know how to do this stuff. The Holy Spirit will lead you into all of it. And then it says, don't lean on your own understanding. This, this, in the Hebrew language, don't rely on your own mind's conclusions. Don't rely on that. You put all your trust in the Lord. So we trust in the Lord. We don't lean on our own understanding. And then here's the third one, in all. Now in the Hebrew language, guess what that word all means? All. It's deep, right? In all your ways, acknowledge him. That means in all of your ways, consider him. Have you ever seen those little rubber bracelets? What would Jesus do? In all your ways, acknowledge him. Powerful, powerful statement. And then it says, when you do those three things, and he shall direct your paths. Does this mean that God's up in heaven going, okay, all right, Pastor Dave, I'm I got the checklist. All right, Father, you know, he just, he's trusting in us. And oh man, okay, so look at him. He, oh, you know, he's not leaning on his own understanding. Check number two. We're getting ready to direct this paths. And then all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute, time out. He's not considering us in one of his ways here, so we're out, not directing his paths. Is it like that? No. Unless you put all your trust in the Lord and don't lean on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him, he can't direct your paths. See, God has given you a will and he'll never violate it. So this verse, is, it's, it's teaching us how to find and position ourselves. Our job is to do those three things. Trusting the Holy Spirit to help us. His job is then to direct our paths. 
Isn't that amazing? See, trusting God comes as you grow to know him, right? You, if you study trusting the Lord, you'll find that as you trust the Lord, it literally yields the blessing of the Lord. If trusting the Lord was seed, the fruit of that seed would be the blessing of God in your life, right? So this is, this is huge. This is huge. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. That's not so easy to do sometimes, is it? In all your ways, consider him. You're not going to be able to do that if you're hanging around with a bunch of people that are not doing that, right? This is why when we study authority, you have to, Jesus said this, be careful what you hear, be careful how you hear, be careful who you are hearing, okay? The reason why is when you make a choice People don't even realize this. When you make a choice to listen to things that are contrary to God's word, what happens is you are literally giving and yielding your authority to what you're hearing. And and what happens, this is how people don't walk in their authority. We're going to talk more about that as as we get into some things. But go over to Jeremiah chapter 17. Let's... I think we'll finish with this scripture. Jeremiah chapter 17. I always just want to keep going, but I got to learn. I I just, the Lord's always like, you preach until I tell you you're done. I've literally never missed it by going too short. I know that's probably hard for you to believe. I've missed it by going too long, and I don't ever want to do that. Look at what it says. Jeremiah 17 verse 5. Thus saith the Lord... Cursed be the man that trusts in man. So what, what this would be like, somebody who's trusting in the company they're working for, they're trusting in maybe the, the country they live in, they're trusting in their friends. This is, I'm trusting in natural means. I'm trusting in my education. But this is trusting in natural, some people trust in their education. I'm gonna be okay because I'm this. It says, cursed is the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm. Now that's talking about, now I'm not just trusting in the natural things, now I'm trusting in myself. I can do this. I'm trusting in myself. I know this is hard, but I'm going to overcome this. The Bible says, if that's where you are, if you're trying to make this work, Like I could tell you right now, I don't know if there's people here or I don't know if there's people online. This is a real interesting service because I'm having just words going off in me the whole time. Right now, there are people, I don't know if you're here or if you're online, but there are people that are just trying to make, they're trying to do something and they're trying to make it work in their own strength. And the Lord would say to you, you're doing my will, you're even doing what I've called you to do but it's never going to reach the capacity that I want because you're trusting in yourself to make it happen. But here's the word cursed, guys. It's a verb in the Hebrew language. It literally means to inflict with a curse. It literally means to bind with a spell. It's like when you're trusting in yourself or natural things, It's like you get under a spell. You'll get deceived. It literally means to hem in with obstacles. Man, you're trying to do something, but you're trusting in yourself, and then this will happen. I can't go there. Well, I'll go a different way. Then another thing, oh, I can't go here either. And and, and pretty soon, and, and all roads will lead you when you get hemmed in with obstacles, to where you can't be in church, you can't be a viable part of your church family, you won't be in the word, and you're going to probably be separated from a lot of Christians and be around people that are not serving God. That's what happens. To be hemmed in with obstacles, and it renders you, this Hebrew verb means it renders you powerless to resist. 
To resist what? The enemy's thoughts. Here you are doing something even God has called you to do, but you're trying to do it in your own strength. That might be being a husband. That might be being a father. That might mean being a pastor, being a minister. That might mean doing your career. I got to make this work. It doesn't work at the level. See, God, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy and my burden's light. I love that. It's, and this is the result of somebody who trusts in themselves, whose heart departs from the Lord. Whenever you're trusting in yourself, you will have no desire for God. Your heart's just departing from him. Why? Because you're looking at something else. Oh, boy, just hear me. I could feel some things that God wants to do. There's some, there's some transformation that God wants to bring. This is huge. It says this person will be like a heath in the desert. That's a desert bush. It's a juniper bush. It lives in an isolated place. This is a simile. A juniper bush. This is a destitute bush. This person will not see when good comes, but shall inhabit. See, not seeing what good, when good comes, you will literally have great things in your life and you won't see them as great. But shall inhabit parched places. See, that's a place where there's a lack of water where nothing can grow. Wow. In the wilderness, in a salt land that is not inhabited. Wow. But it says, blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Do you know the Lord is my hope? He is my future. I'm not afraid of my future. He's my hope. I love that song we sing. All of my hope is in him. He calls the end from the beginning. He said, Tony, you'll live long on the earth till you're satisfied. And I'm going to show you my salvation. It all comes as a result of me choosing to trust him and make him my hope. For he, the person who trusts God, shall be like a tree planted by the waters. It sounds a lot like Psalm 1-3. When you delight in the Lord and you meditate in his word day and night, you'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water. That means all of your substance is coming from within. Do you know all of my healing, all of my peace, all of my prosperity, it comes out of my spirit into my life. I don't look for it anywhere else. It says here, and shall not see when heat comes. Oh, heat gets turned up in your life and you're still full of joy. It's a non-issue because you know you're the one who decides. But I just got diagnosed with stage four cancer. Yeah, but do you know you're still the one that decides? You're the one with authority. Can't. That cancer doesn't have authority. Isn't that awesome? It says here, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought. Wow. So that means I'm sowing, I'm living, I'm increasing, carefree, even when there's drought around me. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. You know, if you're a Christian here today, and I, I have a feeling I'm talking to a whole room of them, really awesome ones, what turns you on more than anything is not getting blessed, it's being a blessing. You know? And I'm, I'm telling you, God, he wants to literally, he wants you to sow into people and let him harvest into you. And that's what, that's awesome. Life on a God level. So be encouraged by that today. 
I hope this has helped you a little bit. Hope this has blessed you. There's a sweet spirit in here. You know, when we dismiss, after we stand and worship a little bit, <clears throat> there will be ministers down here to pray for you, for anything. If you need to receive Christ, let today be your day. If you need hands laid on you for healing, if you need anything from the Lord, don't leave here without coming up and, and having, you know, having somebody pray with you. Why? Because we love you. And we're all in this together. Amen? Amen. Always remember, you know, you guys call me pastor. But always remember this. I'm your brother Tony. Right? Your precious brother Tony, who is your pastor. But we are all in the same boat, and it's a good boat. Amen?